Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at the updated draft order for the 2023 NFL Draft. A lot of moving and shaking that happened from this past week of the NFL with the wins and losses, and that affected the draft order uh, pretty big in the top 10, even bigger in the top 20. But we are just five weeks away, so we're trying to finalize what that final order is going to look like. We're going to give you some updated team needs, some updated prospect profiles. We're also going to tell you some guys who have already officially declared for the draft class and some guys who have already said that they're going back to school. We're going to tell you what we think about all of those decisions. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys in the middle of the week, hump day. It's a Wednesday edition of the show, which means it is time to update the 2023 NFL draft order. Give you guys a little bit of an update on some team needs, where we could see the draft flowing with this current draft order. But because it is the month of December and we're getting some declarations from prospects going into the draft class. We're going to talk to you about some updated guys who have already put their name into the into the uh, I almost said transfer portal into the draft class. Some guys who have already said they're coming back to school, and then we'll get a little bit into the transfer portal. Some prospects that we like who might be changing locations next college football season. Connor, how are we feeling, my guy? Good man. This is a crazy time of year. It's honestly uh, one of the hardest things, the hardest aspects of being an individual doing the entire draft, right? Like you and I, Trevor. I think of guys like Dane, guys that do cover the entire draft but don't have a scouting team or anything like that where tracking is a very tedious process. It's not the fun part of watching big-time throws or rankings or grades or team fits. You're just trying to keep up with who the hell is in the damn thing. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what right now, it's gotten crazier than ever because the transfer portal, especially in the quarterback market, mm-hmm. has almost become – the NFL free agency, uh, a college football now free agency that guys that honestly would typically leave even after maybe not having the best year or having enough of enough on their platter to prove to teams that they're going to go in the first three rounds. They still go anyway. Now they can go back to school, get a couple million dollars sometimes and try to reboost that draft stock. So this process is actually somehow gotten crazier than ever. Yeah, and I and and NIL too, right? Like that's that's the other exactly with the millions, yeah. Big yep. part of it of you get guys who before I think you you had a lot of these players, especially underclassmen, look at their situations they were in and say, okay, well I've got another year of eligibility left, but it was the it was the question that we would all pose. It's like, hey, it's a violent game. Do you really want to spend another year in college knowing that's another year of hits, another year of potential injury without putting your name on a piece of paper that guarantees you millions? while you're still healthy. And I think that that was a big debate up to this point, but we are already seeing both with the transfer portal and with guys who have said that they're going to come back to school, the effects of NIL and how it is definitely making an impact on the draft class. We will get to that kind of towards the end of the podcast, but I did want to start with the draft order as we always do. Connor at number one, no changes, no changes. I still don't think there's going to be any changes by the time we get to the end of the year. Houston Texans, if Houston was going to win another game this year, it felt like it was going to be this week, right? Deshaun Watson coming to town. It's in Houston. It was the emotional game. You were supposed to beat him. They did not. Deshaun Watson did not look good, but Houston still was not able to win that game. So they fall to 110-1 on the season. Chicago Bears, because of their loss to the Green Bay Packers, which looked like they were going to win that game for a little bit before um, Aaron Rodgers, um, once again, called Chicago his second home. They have the number two overall pick. Seattle Seahawks have the number three pick via the Denver Broncos. Detroit Lions have the number four pick via the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, New Orleans, because of their epic collapse on Monday Night Football, they are giving the Philadelphia Eagles a top five pick right now, a number five overall. Carolina's at number six. Jacksonville, number seven. Arizona at eight, Indianapolis nine, Atlanta sitting there at 10. So before we go on to the rest of the order, Connor, anything really stand out to you with uh, the top 10 as it stands after week 13 in the league? Of course, the very obvious that, you know, if Chicago really somehow holds on and picks number two overall, that is going to be an auction that could be fascinating to watch if they want to get out of that pick or if they just want to stay tight and, and get a, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter type of situation. The Colts climbing, Trevor, they've lost three in a row now, and things could not look worse, maybe, I would say, 
going into that fourth quarter, you, you know, they're stumbling, hanging around, and they they've just they don't they didn't look like a football team in that fourth quarter. They lost three in a row. And if you're a Colts fan, as Trevor and I always say, keep hoping for those losses because you are now really two more losses away from finding yourself in the top five. And I think that's where you need to be. So those are the big ones for me. Of course, the the exciting one is always that the Eagles are still sitting in the top five with that Saints pick, which is just absolutely insane. I'll, I'll start with the Colts and we can talk about the Colts here. Colts got four games left in this season. They're at Minnesota hosting the Chargers at the New York Giants and then hosting the Texans. What do you think? Two and two, probably. And you're getting at least one win out of the Texans. My question is, are you getting a win when you host the Chargers day after Christmas? That's Monday Night Football. I don't think you're beating the Giants. I don't think you're beating the Giants in New York. I don't think you're beating the Vikings in Minnesota. So I think at best they're well, it depends on how you look at it. At best, in terms of a win perspective, they could be three and one. They could go. They're sorry, two and two down the stretch. But I don't really see anything better than that. Worst case scenario, probably one and three. I don't see them losing all four. Sounds about right. I think, man. The tie screws them, man. It's the tie. It's the we, damn tie. We, we've said this so many times before. Carolina's, it's so early. Carolina's 4-8. Jacksonville's 4-8. Arizona's 4-8. Indi- Indianapolis, they're also 4-8. and eight. And 1. So it doesn't matter. They're going to be in between. They're going to be at the very bottom of that. Oh man, that's just that's a that's that's going to be a killer for the Colts going back to that week one tie there. You know, I have a a trivia question for you and the listeners. This is for anybody who did not watch it's just football earlier this week. How many times have the Jacksonville Jaguars picked in the top ten in the last fifteen years? Tell me how many times that they have picked in the top. 10 in the last 15 years. So how many years out of 15 I'd do say, you think, Jack? Right off the top of my head, I'd say 12. Okay. The answer is 14. Wow. The only year that they have not picked in the top 10 since 2007 is the AFC year they went to the AFC Championship. Yeah. Every other year since 2007, they have picked in the top 10. That's remarkable. <laughs> That's remarkable. This is the show for you, Jags fans. Smash subscribe. <laughs> Smash subscribe. Hit I the just like got, button down I below. Mike Renner said this out on the Monday show, and I just I couldn't believe it. No, that's a, that's it. crazy. I mean, I I did wonder when I said I'm like, am I low barring it? Saying twelve, and I was but, like, maybe it's thirteen. Four died did not think fourteen. Twelve. I mean, I I think I guessed. I think I guessed twelve. I either guessed eleven, twelve, something like that. You figure there's a couple of years where they were just, you know, they kind of stumbled into something. seven and nine. Come right? on, because to be in the top ten, you have to be really stinky. I can't emphasize that enough. Like top ten is really, really stanky. Uh, all right. Well, Jacksonville. Now, so, now, hold on, hold on. Now I'm looking at Jacksonville's records by year. Ten and six was the year that they went to the AFC Championship game. In okay, so. 2000, starting in 2008, five wins, seven wins, eight wins, five wins, two wins, four wins, three wins, five wins, three wins. Then you had a 10 win season, five wins, six wins, one win, three wins. Now they have four wins. Can I read the picks from those years? Sure. Of course you can. So, of course, Trayvon Walker mm-hmm. was the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Now we're only back to 2020. CJ right. Henderson. Not great. Not great. No. Josh Allen. Good. That's a good pick. Le- Leonard Fournette, fourth overall. Jalen Ramsey. A great overall. Pick. Great, great pick. pick. Great pick. Pick. Didn't work out for them individually. Well, I mean, Dante like it, Fowler. I mean, it did, right? That pick did work out for them. Because Jalen because Jalen Jalen became a a, C, a shutdown. No, CD1. I mean the evaluation was right on. Jalen is a great player. They were just they were just too poor of a franchise. And when I say that, I I didn't necessarily mean financially, but I guess now I mean financially uh, to bring him back because I think the rest of the team just wasn't what it needed to be. Here's where there's a run of just absolute like bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. Dante Fowler, Blake Bortles, Luke Jokel, Justin Blackman, Blaine Gabbert. Ah, your two quarterbacks are Blaine Gabbard and Blake Bortles. 
man, it's it's pretty crazy. And then you know, it's tough. It's tough. yeah. So I don't have to keep going, but um, <laughs> that's how you get there. So, Woo! you just get those are the picks that not only can you not miss on, right? Like you can't miss on top ten picks. You just can't emphasize it enough because every draft class, you should be able to find every draft class. You should be able to find. I don't know, 15 players that are worthy of going in that spot, that their their floor is going to be a starter, their ceiling is going to be an all-pro. Well, yeah, something around there. So I mean, yeah, that's that's realistic. Right? I mean, that's fair. You you know you're not gonna hit. Like you no. just know because the draft is what it is, you're not necessarily gonna hit, but you've got to be able yeah, to miss. pick guys that when they're misses, you're hoping they're misses, but they're still starters. You know, you you hope yeah. that they're not misses and they're busts, right? And I feel like there's just been some busts with the Jacksonville Jaguars, unfortunately, and how they've drafted. Crazy. Um, I, I, I do want to talk about Atlanta at number 10 now because another loss this week, they're sitting here at five and eight. They're going into the bye week, so they've got the bye week coming up for week 14. Super late bye week. I kind of hate that. I think the players like it. I was listening to the Kelsey pod, and they were like, really? oh, he's like, well, when would you want to have your bye week? And And I think... I think it was Jason Kelsey who was like, oh, like as late as possible. Like you want he's to... always used to winning. Well, and right? you're, you're beat up. You know, you yeah. want to you want a full two weeks off, whatever it is, before you go into the playoffs because you'd love for guys to heal up, which that part of it definitely makes sense. Anyways, Atlanta picking number 10 overall right now. Are they going to be in the quarterback conversation? I think that that is the big selling point for how you are discussing what kind of an impact the Falcons can have on this draft class is if they're going to be in the quarterback market. You started Marcus Mariota the entire season. I'm very curious to see if they go to Desmond Ritter at any point. Desmond Ritter, third-round quarterback, generally, you don't let a third-round quarterback the year before stop you from taking a quarterback if you got a top-10 pick and you got a QB need. That's just that's just the truth. Yep. Last year's quarterback class, I think, was... Very interesting because there was a lot of different orders of how people had Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis and Sam Howell. But no matter where people had the order, it felt as though the quarterbacks were going to go a lot higher. Like you were convincing yourself, oh, is Malik Willis a first-round pick? Oh, is Kenny Pickett the first-round pick? Is is Desmond Ritter a first-round pick? And I feel like for a handful of those guys, the answer was going to be yes. There was a lot of projections of them going in the first round. So I feel like it's hard for us to get it out of our head that the only one who was in the first round was Kenny Pickett. And there was a massive gap between these, these other players. In fact, like these teams that even drafted their quarterbacks later, Ritter, Willis, Corral, Howell, they all had picks prior to that. Well, I don't think Carolina did. But they had picks prior to that in which they could have selected those guys. And they ended up not doing that. So to me, that kind of tells you where they might value them. So for as much as I am still a little bit hesitant for what Atlanta might do in the quarterback market, if they end this season with any pick between 7 and 10, 7 and 11, something like that, I think they're going to seriously consider quarterback, even if they've barely seen anything, if anything, at a Desmond Ritter. What do you think about that? I think so. I think you have to, right? Now, the good for Atlanta is, is that it's not like you're tied to a crazy quarterback contract because Mariota can right. can be cut. You can move on. And the deal is annual average. After this? Yeah, I think $2.5 million is the dead money if they cut him after the season. Um, and even, you got yeah, that, right? You got that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. So, I mean, <laughs> Mar- and you know, probably not. No, probably not. I probably, was not say, probably not. You I, don't have that? I was definitely don't have that. <laughs> just messing I was going to say, is there a team out there that just trades like a seventh rounder for Mariota? But no. Anyway, so. No. He's been that disappointing this year. Mariota's but, cap hit does go up to 14 and a half next year, by the oh, way. Oh, then no, no, no. no, no, no. He, he is he is 4.25 on the cap this year, and he goes up to 14 and a half next year. So he's, he's gone. Cut. They're, he's they're cut. cutting They're cutting him no matter what. Man. How have they not started? I, well. But it kind of tells you what they think of Ritter, right? I'm sorry. I, I know yeah, people we, don't want to hear that. But. You're, you're probably right. You're probably. If they don't go to Ritter after the bye week, that is that's pretty telling to me. 
I think. Yeah, they don't even think he can he can manage their huddle if they don't do that. I'm yeah, you know, man. All right. Well, yes, they have to be thinking quarterback. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stack up this class right now because it's very easy at the top with Bryce. Like Bryce in Houston, I don't want to say it's a hundred percent, but it just seems very very logical. Stroud will go somewhere in that top 12 with how many quarterback needy teams are. And if you're Atlanta and you like Stroud, can you just hope that happens? Levis will go. Yeah. I don't think Anthony, we like Anthony Richardson, the idea of him. mm -hmm. I don't think a team is going to risk it all with a top 15 pick on Anthony Richardson. I would say that there's not a lot that has given us the evidence that that would be the case. Perhaps the draft process goes along and we learn a lot more about what teams think of Anthony Richardson. And maybe we learn that teams just love the potential, just love the potential. Like what we saw with Trayvon Walker last year, right? They just like the, the potential is crazy. You can't pass up on it. So maybe we get to that point with Richardson, but there's, there's nothing that is telling me that Richardson's going to be a top 20 pick back into the first round. Eh. We'll get to that at the end of the Which podcast. Which is better for him. When we discuss Anthony Richardson, uh, as well as the other guys that have Which, already declared. Yes. I think brings me to my next point. One of my favorite parts of this draft right now as it lines up is Seattle and Detroit at three and four, not with their own picks. Seattle has Denver's pick. Detroit mm-hmm. has the Rams pick. Mm-hmm. I, I know I was a little tough on Seattle on, on Sunday night show. In the short term of this year, I, their defense has a lot of question marks, as amazing as the offense has been. But this has been a dream year for Seattle in a sense where you got the answer at quarterback with Geno. And with Detroit, Goff has shown that in this system with this talent, he's enough to get you to the next guy down the road. I don't think Anthony Richardson obviously would be considered at either of these spots, but it brings me to Detroit picking at 15, having a top five pick where they're going to get a premium talent that's going to play right away. Mm -hmm. They're actually a team at 15 that... You'd love to trade back and do this, but even at 15 or wherever they end up, because I actually think they're going to win quite a few more games with the way they're playing right now. You say the Lions? Yeah. Did you see the Lions are favored against Minnesota this week? It moved. I know they were underdogs by one when it I opened. Think they're, I think they're favored by one now. That is so disrespectful to Minnesota. And <laughs> I would still take the Lions. 10 and 2. I would still take the Lions. Oh, I man. think Detroit is the dream spot for a guy like Richardson. He doesn't have to play for two years. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'll say this too. We haven't gone over our, our final regular season film evaluation. But I I wonder if CJ Stroud's not a possibility at 15 as well. You know, because I, I was just looking at some of Stroud's numbers. Stroud has a 38 passing grade under pressure. Like, oh, he, well, like yeah, he he's has bad been under pressure. He is ranked 133rd in the FBS when it comes to quarterbacks under pressure. 133rd. He has been downright terrible this year. He's got three big time throws, six turnover worthy plays under pressure. Where's the adjusted completion percentage? Uh adjusted completion percentage of 46% under pressure. He's been awful. Last year, I think there were question marks about what he was under pressure. And last year he had a 67.2 grade under pressure. So this is so much worse. When he's not pressured, the grade goes from 38 all the way to 87.7. There's no quarterback in the country that has a bare contrasted number between how they play when they're not pressured and when they're clean versus when things go wrong. And that's not good. That's not no, good that's, for that's a, evaluation. That's a red flag. Because especially, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not a creator. It's like Dane was saying on, on uh, the episode where we had him on last Thursday. The league looks for not just passers, but creators. And Stroud has absolutely failed that test, I think, so far this season. He gets to play Georgia. And where I don't think Ohio State is going to win that game, I don't know how many people are giving Ohio State a chance to win that game. That semifinal all of a sudden becomes monumental for C.J. Stroud. Because I think a lot of people who, whether they're super into into the draft or whether they're casually into the draft, they have heard the concerns about Stroud. But I'm not sure a lot of people have watched a ton of Ohio State this year because Ohio State 
was always going to destroy a soft schedule and be on a collision course in Michigan. So this is going to be the most watched and most, I'll say, rooted public opinion that people are going to have of C.J. Stroud. And that Georgia defense is really good. And if he crumbles against his Georgia defense, I'm not saying struggles. Everybody struggles against the Georgia defense. Like, it's a really good defense. I'm I'm not saying that like it's a slight. But if he crumbles, like if C.J. Stroud looks genuinely bad in the college football playoff, I'm telling you, it's it's going to continue to push the narratives where we're already seeing, okay, not really a debate between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud anymore. All right, maybe C.J. Stroud is just going to be, you know, like a top three pick or something. Maybe he's going to be a top five pick. Then Dane tells us that half the, the maybe there's a lot of teams in the league that don't love C.J. Stroud. I genuinely believe that C.J. Stroud could get picked in the teens in this draft. I think that's, so, too. That's what I'm starting to think. No, I think I think you're right on it. Um I think all the signs are there that Stroud is a guy that gets picked apart in the process. And yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that as well. Because of what you said, how staggering that is, man, it's, and it's, it's going to be fascinating to weigh it, right? Because Levis has a ton of problems on his own. And I feel like we're going to get to the point where people are going to try to, you know, pick apart Stroud while also defending Levis and I think that's a really dicey area because I think you could just say they both have their flaws right now. I, I personally like Stroud better than Levis still, but I have fully embraced going back to summer compared to now that Bryce Young is in his own tier in this quarterback class. Yeah. And quite frankly, it might not be close. It might not be tier one and two. It might be Bryce Young and tier one. I don't know if we have a genuine tier two and then tier three could be, you know, Stroud and then even for me, I think tier four would be Levis and Richardson. But I think it just goes to the further emphasize the point of he's not a lock to be a top five pick like we had no. done for so long. No, all of a sudden, you know, these these mock drafts that were kind of tricky early on because there's a lot of teams that would need a quarterback or would like a quarterback. And, you know, often it was Bryce Young at the very top, CJ Stroud right after him, either at pick number two or pick number three. I think we're going to start to see a lot more simulations where the range for CJ Stroud is pretty vast. And I I do think that this, as much as it is unfair when it comes to the public perception of things, which we'll obviously try to weed through as much as we can for you guys, because that's what we want to do. We try to want to be a mediator if we can. It's going to go, it's going to mean a lot. If Stroud crumbles against Georgia and looks absolutely terrible under pressure, he's that's going to be his narrative. And like you said, he's going to get picked apart throughout the entire process. People are going to continue to point out how he can't be a creator outside of pressure. And if that's the case, man, if you've got a quarterback who you like the tools, you like the height, you like the build, you like the arm talent, you like the mechanics, you like all that. But if they cannot operate under pressure and outside of structure, how high do you take that quarterback? You just described Jared Goff. You well, Jared Goff went number one overall, so I guess maybe but, maybe, uh, maybe you can like, convince yourself of him going high. But yes, but I do think the league has evolved from there. That was uh, a long sure. time ago in terms of drafts. We are old, That's and true. I think we like Jared Goff more than the general public likes Jared Goff. But how high do you? T- and I'm not saying Stroud. I'm comping him to Goff, but I'm saying the way you drew it up, and I do agree with your valuation. How high do you take a player like that? I, I don't actually know the answer right now. I'm actually fascinated to really come to that conclusion. Um, 20, 2016 NFL draft. I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I remember the list of the quarterbacks because I want to see who I had ranked. Oh, this is a beauty. Okay, I'm gonna try to remember what my quarterback rankings were for 2016. I don't know if I'll be able to find mine. I had I, I don't have I don't have mine in front of me, so I don't know if this was final or not. But just from looking at the list, I'm pretty sure I had Connor Cook as my QB one in that class. Which, whoo, good job, Trev. Um, I think I had Carson Wentz two. I had I Cardo Jones it. three. I had Jared Goff four, and I had Paxton Lynch. Five. I think I had. I think I had Prescott six. I either had Prescott six or five. I have. I found mine. Okay. What is it? What is on it? Jets wire? Oh hell yeah, baby! Can you, can you rip through yours one more time, a little quicker? I did hear, but I I missed the I missed three and 
I missed three and four. I believe I had Connor Cook as QB one. Okay. I, I either I either had him as QB one till the end, or I had him for QB one for a decent amount of the process. So Connor Cook was QB one. Carson Wentz was two. Um, Cardell Jones was three. My God, I forgot about Cardell. <laughs> Twelve gauge baby. Oh my uh, Jer- God. Jared Goff was four. I think Dak Prescott was five, and Paxton Lynch was six. But those might have been flipped. All right, here's mine. There's yeah. a, there's a there's a doozy in here. Number okay. one for me was Jared Goff. Okay, you like uh, Goff at one. Okay, I I really actually I did like Goff. I did like Goff. Number two for me was Carson Wentz. So pretty chalk. Yeah. They went one and two. I had them one, one and two. two. Yeah, three. I had Paxton Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, four the the most egregious one, the worst one. This is your Connor Cook for me, Christian Hackenberg at four. <laughs> Horrific. Jets Horrific. great though. Horrific. Jets great. And then the Jets took him and. Just because I had him in the top five did not mean I thought they should he should, uh, they should take him on day two of the draft. I had Christian Hackenberg as like QB 15 in that class. I was so far out on that dude for t- so long. And then five, my saving grace, uh, Dak Prescott, like you. Nice. I don't know, five. I, nice. I, I, that was, I believe, my first senior bowl or second senior bowl. And th- I really liked Dak. That was actually what got Dak into my top five. Um, I really liked him at that senior bowl. So I mean, you know, it's a ro- evaluating quarterbacks is a roller coaster, as people listening could tell from our two evaluations. And mm-hmm. that was my—I wasn't even on the BR desk on day two or three then. So this was me just kind of almost blogging. It's funny to look back as at a, these, man. as a young as a young draft lad, as a, I, just... as really as a young draft lad. Talk about—I don't even know what like. How do, I don't even really have a take from this list. A lot of people, a lot of people have asked me. I'm sure a lot of people have asked you as well. Like things that you have learned over the years through That's scouting. That's a better conversation than, "Hey, what were you wrong on, dumbass?" Right. Well, <laughs> well, we we were wrong about Which, this for sure. Yeah. Well, you were you were a lot closer to right than I was in this class. But I will say this class taught me the importance of an overall body of work for quarterbacks, not just some of the high throws, and also. It taught me to not emphasize the touch passes nearly as much. I am a sucker for touch passes. I I, I still I, too. I still a little bit feel that way where it's just like that's stuff that you can't really teach. Like I see Bryce Young do a lot of that stuff. And that's that was why Rosen for me. Right, right. And 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 it's just, there are so many quarterbacks who just have a great feel for it. Touch passes are exactly that. They're just, they're feel. And some guys have it, some guys don't. And I feel like the better you are at touch passes, the less robotic you are, the more natural the game comes to you. I emphasize that way too much. It is still an important trait, and I still have it as an important trait that I I take into my quarterback evaluations. But I emphasize that way too much that season. And that's how Connor Cook ended up being my QB1 is because there was no quarterback in that class that threw those beautiful over the shoulders guy yep. running straight underneath it right into the bread basket touch passes like Connor cook had the problem was the rest of it was bad the arm talent was mid he was missing guys left and right he just didn't have a rocket of an arm and he just made boneheaded decisions but I didn't take I, I basically I didn't weigh things the right way in that class the same for Cardo Jones right Cardo Jones comes at number three for me and I just felt like this is a physically gifted runner and passer who clearly was so physically gifted that he comes in a relief of JT Barrett, I believe, right, when he got hurt, and just catapults Ohio State's offense to an uh, to a an untouchable level that season. And I said, that is rare talent. And in reality, I did not weigh enough the consistency that you have to have with that rare Spot talent on. and being able to take that outside of the Ohio State system, which was very, very talented, as we've seen so many players uh, come from that specific draft class from Ohio State. So... Yeah, that's just a little um, – I, I mean, I, di- I didn't love what Jared Goff was like out of structure. I didn't really like that. Um, Carson Wentz I liked, obviously, and I think that Carson Wentz is a really talented quarterback. We saw that during his MVP caliber season with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that Carson just, like, has decision-making issues now. Like, I just think that he's got uh, confidence issues and how he sees the field, and he's just pulling the trigger in the wrong spot. So that also happens with guys. You know, they're very human, and that that's kind of stuff that happens after draft night. So – uh, I people people tend to ask me a lot about that, and so I I saw that as an opportunity to um, answer one of those questions there. So yeah, that's kind of what I learned from 2016. I love it, and to piggyback off that, I'm reading my write ups here that are short, but um, I would have if I wrote the same exact thing today that I wrote for Hackenberg at four and Dak at five, 
I would not rank them this way just because mm-hmm. of, like you said, what you value versus what you don't or what you overvalue right. versus what you don't. Right. I mean, on Hackenberg, I wrote, here's a little part of it. The bottom line is he's got, he's got a huge arm with a great build, but a lot of major red flags on the field. He struggled to convert on third downs and fails to handle any kind of pressure, displays little pocket presence. Uh, his accuracy can be spotty, but his arm talent makes him a project worth taking on late day two. Now here's Dak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go. I'll go down a little bit. He has the tools to eventually find his way on the field at the next level. Dak's mobility, football IQ, and ability to command a huddle will go a long ways in the NFL. If a team can give him two years on the sideline, he can develop into a signal caller that knows how to take care of the ball, along with playmaking ability outside of the pocket. Uh, those things I like so much more than any of the garbage I wrote about Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> like this isn't even cl- it's crazy what yep. you fall for, yep. especially when you're learning in this business. Mm-hmm. And we will learn a lot more along the way. But it's it's wild reading those things and being like, what? Like why? It, it's crazy how you wrote those two things and yet had ranked them separately. The the the, the prior ab- above the former. Nuts. It's it's a great the ladder. It's great to look back at what you've done and how you would do it differently now. That was so, fun. I, I enjoyed it. That. Is, that it, it really is, man. It really I still it, look I, we didn't we didn't plan to do that, but I'm so glad we did because I think being so transparent about our process and how it's changed or how it's grown is one of the cooler things about our show because you and I have been doing this on a very similar timeline. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we didn't coach either, you know, like we're, yeah. we're not coming from no. like a coaching tree. We're, we're, tr- we're truly coming from a, we're constantly trying to learn as much as we can about yeah. the complexities and the details and everything about the game that goes into these projections in the NFL draft game. And uh, we've been doing that for a handful of years now and we'll continue to do so. And this makes it a lot of fun, man. It makes it a lot of fun looking back and understanding what you've learned, kind of how far you've come as an analyst and, um, just makes you excited for the upcoming process, right? I'm super excited to get to dive into these guys with some things that I've learned over the summer and, and over the season too. So, all right, let's, let's round out the non-playoff teams with this order before we kind of get into some guys who have declared for the draft already. We got the Green Bay Packers, a uh, big win this past weekend, five and eight now. They're sitting there at number 11. Las Vegas Raiders, speaking of big wins, three in a row for the Raiders. Three weeks ago, Connor, this team was picking in the top three. Now Vegas is sitting here at number 12. Houston's got number 13 overall, thanks to Cleveland. Pittsburgh's at 14. Detroit's at 15, as you mentioned. Chargers, 16. New England Patriots, 17. And then the Washington Commanders sitting there at 18. But they're right on that line with um, with the New York Giants. They're only one game behind them. So perhaps they might not end up at number 18 when it's all said and done. What do you think about 11 through 18? Anybody really stand out to you? Anybody you're intrigued to see how they uh, how they approach the draft this year? Probably Vegas, but I think with how they've started to turn the corner a little bit, maybe they do try to roll a car for another year. I know our listeners have pointed out that he he has a no trade clause in that, but just to be transparent to people why we kept saying it, there was a while where I thought Derek Carr getting a fresh start might be good for him as well, not just Mm -hmm. for the Raiders. So no move clause or not. Um, So the Raiders at 12, I think ultimately it's going to trend where everybody's back and the Raiders just try to get the best player available in that spot, which I have no, no problem with at all. And we'll see if they can, you know, retain a guy like Josh Jacobs. But I think that pick can be utilized to get stronger on the trenches on one side of the ball. You know, I constantly though, look back to what Detroit could do at 15 and I'm just enamored at the different options they have to make this football team better, especially when they have that other pick in the top five. I'm fascinated to see what the chargers do. I am fascinated. And who the coach will be. Well, and of course, who the coach might be. I still think it's going to be Staley. I think so too, but man. I still think it's going to be Staley. Injuries or not, how disappointing would it be if they don't make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you had people talk about the Chargers as a potential Super Bowl team. So for them to not make the playoffs, I mean, that would be bad. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and it, it's just football, which is right here on this channel. If you guys don't watch, 11 a.m., um, Mike Renner broke down a play on Tuesday's show. He broke down actually a couple of plays of the Chargers offense, their third down offense, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter, and the designs of it really, and just how the lack of speed option, legitimate deep threat down the field, legitimate speed to worry about on the team is really hurting their I'll say overall efficiency when it comes to play design and scheming guys open and being constantly a threat, whatever they need a speed player. 
And I remember last Jared year. Hyatt? Well, that's early, but that's where my mind goes to. And I don't think Jalen Hyatt's going to get drafted 16 overall unless his, so either. unless his straight line athleticism numbers are just out of this world. But, you know, if you're the Chargers, that's the kind of player you need. You either need him or you need like a monster run stuffer in the middle. That they do. So I think that's probably what they're going for. But, you know, I, I, I said those same things last year too. And they went O-line. And I don't I don't hate the Zion Johnson pick. Zion Johnson's a good football player and he's going to continue to be a good football player. They needed help along the offensive line. And so I, I, I definitely couldn't hate on that pick. But that being said, the issues that they had going into the draft last year still exist. I would have told you they had three major areas that they needed to address in the draft outside of the free agency additions that they had. And they were offensive line, interior defensive line to help stop the run and speed at wide receiver. They drafted offensive line and got a good impact out of it. The other two needs are still glaring for this team. So can they address one or more of those with their draft picks this year? I think that that's, they're going to need to have a really good draft strategy to kind of figure that out. But uh, they definitely need some speed at wide receiver, man. They really do. And I, I don't know if it's a great, cl- I don't know if it's going to be a great class to get any speed outside of Jalen Hyatt. It, I, I don't know if it looks like it right now. So we'll have to see, but that's it. The they, Chargers are an interesting point for me. They have a lot of work to do with the cap. I'm looking at their 2023 cap and they're in the red by 7 million, which mm. when we say in the red, that means they're $7 million over the cap. But if you take away the cap argument and they found a way to navigate this, Trevor, the perfect player for them to sign is Darius Slayton. Perfect player. Yeah, Darius Slayton would be great for this team. Love that call out. And if you're Darius Slayton, I'd be I'd be loving that idea. Play you with Justin play, Herbert. Play with Justin Herbert. Joe Lombardi's probably out of there. I got to think he's out of there. So they, if I'm the Chargers, I either try to solve the run stuffer or wide receiver and free agency, depending what I can do with my cap. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Very Keenan, tricky. Keenan Allen's contract gets at least cuttable next year. I mean, he goes up on the cap. I think he goes up to $21 million against the cap next year. He'll be 31 years old. And what's the, uh, let me see. What is this? No, this is Marcus Mariota. Keenan Allen. I think it was like four or six million. That J.C. Jackson one is tough for them yeah, right now. Tough. Six. So it's 6.9 million of dead cap, but he's on the cap for 21.7 next year. Okay. So this is the first year they think you really move on from them. The year after that, they can save a lot of money. They can Man, when you look at this, cap. they might not have a choice when you look at their salary cap situation. Maybe. We always talk about how the wide receiver free agency class looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Might see some guys on cut. it. Yeah, you, there might be some guys who get cut. We'll have we'll to we'll have to see about that. But uh, I think there's always some big wide receiver movement, no matter what. All right, let's get into some of these guys who have already declared for the draft. Some of them that haven't. But actually, before we get to that list, gotta ask you guys a question out there. We all saw Monday Night Football. We all saw the comeback, and it was vintage Tom Brady. Well, what if you could have invested in Tom Brady's individual stock before he did all of that? Before his very first comeback, you could have done that as a rookie. If you would have done that, then your investment would be worth over 4,000% today. Now it's not a question of what if, now it's a who's next. Mojo is the all-new sports book market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passion. Sign up right now on the Apple Store to get your free stock worth up to tens of thousands of dollars if you can hit it big like we did with Tom Brady there. Over 300 players are listed on Mojo, so you can invest in rookies like Chris Olave and Drake London, comeback candidates like Saquon Barkley, Geno Smith, superstars like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. You can invest in anybody. Go long and make money when an underrated diamond in the rough really breaks out, which you could probably get in on early with this year draft podcast. Or you can even short sell an overrated rival if you think they're about to flop. Prices move with every play, every game, and every headline, so you can buy and sell instantly anytime all year long, so that action never stops. Mojo is live in New Jersey. Right now, so download Mojo in the Apple App Store today and start turning your playmakers into moneymakers. You must be 21 years or older to use Mojo and located in New Jersey to make trades. If you have a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit Mojo.com for more info. All right, Connor, I'll just read some of the list of notable 
players who have declared for the 2023 NFL draft. And I'll let you start wherever you want to, my friend. We got Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. Gervin Dexter, the defensive tackle from Florida. Osiris Torrance, the interior offensive lineman from Florida. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State, officially into the draft pool. Unfortunately, didn't play a lot this year. Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon. Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. Joey Porter, the corner from Penn State. Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky. MJ Anderson, the defensive lineman from Iowa State. Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle for Oklahoma in the pool. And Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas. Those are some of the notable names that I found who have declared over the last week. What do you think about this list? And is there a name that really pops out to you that you want to talk about here? Ooh, well, what I think about the list is Anthony Richardson's the wild card of it all, right? He can go anywhere from being a top 10 pick to outside of the first two rounds, depending how this process goes for him. And when you have a quarterback like that, that's polarizing. That's, you know, obviously exciting and also terrifying for the process and really, really intriguing. I I look at some of the guys that, you know, might not have been household names over summer, but now declared Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter, they'll go in the first round. Osiris Torrance, I think, is worthy of a first-round pick. Levis is going to go early. Harrison was a guy that you really liked over the summer, and I thought he had a, a tremendous year. I really, really did. He he took growth steps um, for that Oklahoma team that were huge for him. And Drew Sanders, the former five-star that transferred from Alabama to Arkansas, mm-hmm. has just been a machine in the middle of the field this year. So I'm not particularly surprised by any of these decisions, to be honest with you. And, and I think for the most part, it's, you know, the one that people are talking about is this big faller is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. I still really, really like him. Maybe I thinking he'd go top 15 over the summer was too high, but Jackson Smith and Jigba to me is still going to be a really nice NFL wide receiver. That's warrants going in that pick 28 to 40 kind of range. 28 to 40. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's Although, a lot. I, I say think that was a medical caveat fair. because what what happened this year is, I mean, we were told it was a hamstring injury, right? We were just told it was a hamstring injury that he was just never able to recover from. But so, is it like a long term soft tissue? Uh, I guess um, I don't know. But, there, I, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, right. I remember that was a big thing with Marshawn Lattimore that year, and Marshawn turned into an incredible NFL corner. But it is mm-hmm. something that people look at and they're like, oh, the the percentage of this being a reoccurring theme. Canarius Tony has a hamstring injury every two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying it's going to happen to Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I think that's my, my variable of why he wouldn't go in the top 40 picks. Yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm, I was skeptical about Jackson Smith and Jigba, even like going into the year. Now there weren't a lot of other wide receivers that I thought were so talented. I could easily put over him. So that's why he was still pretty high on my rankings when we went into the season. But when I looked at him, like, hey, he's a you know, he's a very shifty, he's a smart slot wide receiver, understands the two-way go leverage, knows how to get in between zones. Like that's all really good for I shoot, he had a 300 yard game just because of his football IQ, it felt like where he was able to get in the areas of the defense where they were not. But how much of an athlete is he? Even outside of the injury, I had question questions about how much of an athlete he really was. So this is a good player. And I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a good player. But the top 10 talk was just always really rich to me. The top 20 talk, I was like, okay, I mean, I know the league's going to want to draft playmakers at pass catching positions, so I guess I could get it. But I've, I feel like I have always been most, most comfortable with him being a back end of the first round, early second round kind of a player. And for the kind of athlete that I think he is, to me, that feels like it's an early day two guy. Now, we'll see what he's able to run, if he's able to run when it comes to Indianapolis and Pro Day and all that kinds of stuff. But that's what I saw on tape when I watched him this summer. This is a good receiver, but how high is the ceiling, really? How high is the ceiling, and what does he bring to the table that is irreplicable? Right, Because that's what first-round picks are all about. You're trying to pick guys that have rare traits that you can't get anywhere. You know, you, 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 that you can't get in free agency every year, or you, just, you, you can't get at other portions of the draft, or it's hard to develop, or maybe it's impossible to develop when it comes to God-given ability. So that is how I look at first-round picks and the value that you need to place on them, is what does this guy do that it feels like very few other people can do 
Jack Smith and Jacob is a super smart receiver, but in a receiver class that's full of slot guys, how much does that really stand out? So disappointing we did not get to see him this year. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I don't think that he's going to be that top 20 pick anymore. It's funny, as we look at this season, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have been the best rookie wide receivers, both coming out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And I remember Garrett Wilson specifically saying that he thought Jackson Smith and Jig was the best wide receiver he's ever seen. So, and I'm pretty sure they had to sit down with all three of them, and both Olave and Garrett Wilson pointed it like they said he was actually the best out of all of them. And I'm not saying that how much that matters or anything, but those two guys are so, were so good at Ohio State, are already so good in the NFL, and very confident guys. And they looked at Jackson Smith and Jigba like this dude is better than us. It's kind of fascinating. What was Victor so, Cruz's mock draftable? What was his? What was his? Oh, you know, because well, Victor, like Victor, Victor had to run really well, right? Victor ran. And wait, it probably uh, has to be UMass Pro Day. Oh, yeah, it's it, going to be. It's a pro day. Because he 40, was not a combine guy. Four, four, seven. That he, shocks me. Dude, he's he's 5'11", 205. Ran a four, four, seven. Broad jump, 10 feet. Short shuttle, four, one, seven. He did Boston College's pro day. Vert, I guess UMass didn't even have one for him. Vert 40, 41 and a half inches. Yeah. Oh boy. Three cones, sub seven. Six nine six. Did you say that one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Victor was. What's Jackson Smith and Jigba's height weight? What's Ohio State got him listening at? Six oh, one six two foot. He's six, one, six feet two hundred. Yeah, he's probably six feet. He's probably almost the same exact size as Victor Cruz. Yeah, I just don't think he's as explosive. No, I don't think so either. I you don't know, think, but I, do I think just, he's going to... Yeah, we'll see. Well, I just thought about when I thought about Victor Cruz, when, yeah, when I'm thinking in my head, I was like, okay, who is a super smart, like shifty receiver who just always seemed to be open? Like Victor Cruz. But I think that Victor Cruz is uh, even more explosive. He had, he Dude, had a lot he of yards. Shot after, out of a, he had a lot he of yards after catching. He shot out of a cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Crazy. What do we think of Osiris Torrance? Do you think he's a first rounder? Yep, absolutely. First round guard. Bulldozer. We'll fight the good fight. The man's got that bear grip strength. He's great. He was great. He was great before he got to Florida. It was a mm-hmm. great. That was a great guy for Napier to bring with him. He's been reliable in pass pro this year. He's an absolute tank in the run game. He's going to the Senior Bowl. I, I think Torrance is absolutely a first rounder. Um, you know, maybe not top fifteen or twenty, but if you're looking to beef up the back end of your offensive line and you're sitting at the end of round one, let's pull up the tank. I'll pull up Tankathon again and just look at some of the teams that could be thinking about him. Hmm. I mean, across the board, all of these teams, quite frankly. Good exercise here, actually. At Minnesota uh, could use him. Minnesota! The Giants, the Jets, the Titans, the Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins forfeited their pick. Sorry. Mm. Giants. That's a good one. Kind of like that one. Yeah. They need, I mean, they got their stop gaps for this year, but they know interior needs to that's be upgraded over time. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Dallas England? will always look go line. Could go, could go into your offensive line again in round one? Yeah, but they'll take a player that, you know, we have in round three, and he'll either be a they'll take the not they'll take, in the league. They'll take the Shepard quarterback. They will. They will take the Shepherd quarterback. I would like to declare that right now. Great call, Trevor. Uh, we got Tyson Bajan. But Bajan, Bajan, Bajan. I don't know. Bajan. Sorry, Bajan. It's spelled like Bajan, but Dane. Dane had a little like twist on it, and Dane would know because Dane. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Dane would know because he's he's been covering him closely. Um, he will be a New England Patriot. About we'll have the the Bailey Zappy Tyson Bajan quarterback competition for next year somehow mike renner got his hands on shepherd film because of course he did and we were watching a little bit of uh tyson and um don't love his arm but, so, okay i was gonna say i want to hear this i just don't i now we only watched i think i was only able to watch i was only able to kind of like sit around for a second so we were watching like the first half of one of the games so it wasn't i'm not gonna sit here and say like it was a yeah, but you, study you get or anything a- like that you get an instant feel, especially with smaller school guys. The arm was not impressive to me. 
So I've, I'm I'm a little bit worried. If it's not popping off the screen at Shepard, what's, what's going to look like in Mobile? I, he's just got to be an, assa- an assassin. Accurately. Like when we're just when we're just getting pissed on in rain and wind in Mobile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's coming. It happens was every year. I was wondering where you were going with that, but uh... <laughs> yeah, be careful clipping that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh no he is so i'm I'm very intrigued to see what he does at the senior bowl because i of the limited tape that i was able to watch of him i was like mm, does he have the arm so maybe he will in mobile we'll see the three corners uh christian gonzalez cam smith joey porter jr you think they're all first rounders i'm still working on cam who i really liked over the summer mm-hmm. porter and gonzalez yeah and i've really done a 180 on gonzalez i watched him in september and i was like yeah the way the traits are unreal, the size and speed. He's going to run in the four threes. He's just not finding the ball as much as you'd like around one corner. And I, th- I think he's been phenomenal the the th- last three quarters of the season. Mm-hmm. Cam Smith, I, going back to summer, he just had that man to man mentality as a corner that I really really liked. That he, you know, no coincidence, he probably got that from J.C. Horn. Of course, I had him as my second corner coming out of summer, only behind Keely Ringo. I wouldn't be shocked if Cam goes at the end of round one. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of hype for these guys. So I, I'm excited to get to sit down and really take a look at how this past season has been for them. Two notable players that I think went back to school: Michael Penix Jr., your boy, yeah, quarterback for Washington, who ends up going back to school, which I'm shocked at. But we can talk about that in a sec. And then the yeah. the other player is Keishawn Butte. The LSU wide receiver. Now I'm not Good as shocked move for him. I'm not as shocked about that one because I'm going to be honest. There were people who had Keishawn Butte as wide receiver one going into the season, and when you're wide receiver one in a draft class, you've probably got the potential to go top fifteen, or at least you're going to start seeing your name uh, in the top fifteen of really early mock drafts. I bet I bet you Keishawn Butte would have got drafted in the third round if he if if he came out of the draft this year. I bet he would have gone in the third yep. round. I think this year has been that's that off testing. Dis- Not I think, off anything he did. I think this year has been that disappointing, unfortunately, for him. And you know, some things probably in and out of his control. But ultimately, I agree with you. I think it was a good move for Keishawn Butte to go back. He needs to remind people of what he can be as a wide receiver because I don't think his draft stock, draft status, draft position when it was all said and done was going to reflect uh, was going to reflect that in this in this class. With you all the way, uh, Butte, a good move for him. The one that, with Penix, I mean, number one, incredible year for him with that Washington program. Threw for almost 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, seven picks. He made throws every week that were remarkable. Jaw-dropping throws. The thing that I don't get with him, I'm a, and this is an assumption, right? If he had the proper all-star invites in his hands and this is an assumption do we think he would go back because he's a guy with his raw talent would rip it up at senior bowl or shrine game i mean he would you want to talk about like how tyson bagent might not look the part with that arm talent or it's a question going in mm-hmm. Penix is the opposite where he you're gonna look and like who the hell is this throwing on the practice field right so, you know, great for Washington. He's got the injury history that I'm sure teams were very keen on. Uh, if we want to have this Bo Nix revitalized conversation, Bo Nix wasn't even the best quarterback in the pack. Not even close. So, I, it's just weird to me. I don't know. I'm rooting for Penix to ball out next year and, and be a big-time prospect because I thought he was slept on all year as a prospect and – I didn't think he needed to go back to school, but him going back to school gives me the answer from what everyone else thought. I would have loved to see him go to the NFL, just given his injury history. Yeah, I, now I you got to risk I, another college right, year. I, I don't want something to happen again. And it was a great year for him, but dude, he was awesome. You know, maybe I agree. I, maybe from what he heard from the NFL, it was like, "Look, man, they just don't trust your injury history." And if they don't trust his injury history now, unfortunately, it's not going to be any better probably a year from now. Maybe it will if you got two years and you're fully healthy. Um, But it's a bummer. It's a bummer that I think that that's probably what he heard back is that the NFL just like, hey, man, you're going to get to the combine and you're just going to be a medical red flag 
and who they just Lord knows where you're going to get drafted after that. And maybe Michael Penix is sitting here thinking, you know what? That's the case. Let me play another year of college football. You know, let me go, let me be a starting quarterback for another year. See if I can string together another healthy season. See if I can come out the other side with a little bit more trust in his body. And that's really from the NFL, maybe even not from himself, but maybe he just wants to continue to be a starting quarterback. And there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case in the NFL. If he were to leave this year. So if that's the case, man, go out and have fun, continue to get to play football, continue to be a starter. I think he's really talented. Think of it like this, Trevor. I'm looking at the round five contracts from last year. Mm -hmm. Let's say Penix had the option of going back to school, a school that just won what? 10 games. He's going to be on the Heisman preseason list, all that stuff. I don't, I don't know what the NIL was, but the significant NIL deal to stay at Washington, because if Penix went back to the portal again, he'd be one of the hottest quarterbacks in the portal. Right. I mean, maybe the, there's there's so many quarterbacks, so many quarterbacks in the portal. He'd be one of the hottest quarterbacks in the portal. So say you get the NIL deal, really, really nice money, whatever it is for improve your stock. Let's say he was a late fifth round pick. Last year, a late fifth round pick. Let's go with pick 172. The total value of a contract was around 3.9 million with a signing bonus under $300,000. This is is kind of me pulling the curtain of like what guys like that are dealt with dealing with. Like, Mm -hmm. hey man, you might be undrafted on your medicals. You might be taken in the late fifth round. Or you can get paid more to come to back come to back. school. Yeah, that's that's the world we're in right now. Sure, sure. So, hundred percent. No, that's that's something that you got to consider when you're going through these lists in December. There's no doubt. Uh, transfer portal guys. I had three guys on here that I just wrote down. There's obviously had. There's over a thousand names in the transfer portal right the now. Stock Exchange could sign a quarterback in the transfer portal. That's how many names there are. And we will. And we will. And we will have a quarterback um, of the show. DJ Oyungalele obviously is the big one. He's in the transfer portal. Uh, Devin Leary, I was a little shocked about this one. He is in the transfer portal, NC State quarterback. I know a lot of people were uh, fans of his going into the season. He got hurt near the end of the year, so he didn't get to finish out the year with NC State. Now he's transferring. He's a guy who's been around for a while. He's dealt with some injury, but I do think that there's a lot of people who like his game. The other one that I would point out and the one that um, is very interesting to me is Jaheim Bell the utility player slash tight end slash whatever you want to call him from South Carolina. Connor, I'm very shocked that Bell is transferring, I would say. Like, if he were to leave South Carolina, I would have thought he would have entered the draft, but maybe maybe he heard back from the NFL and they, like, just don't trust him as a tight end right now. They think he's too big of a, uh, for lack of a better word, like a homeless player, you know, like, just doesn't have that home base position. Cause he does so many things for South Carolina's offense. He's played wide receiver. He's played tight end. He's played out of the backfield, like all this different stuff. I'm looking up his numbers in ultimate right now. He has less than half the receiving yards. He did last year, half the yards after catch. He did last year, only 24 catches compared to 31 catches the year before only two touchdowns compared to five touchdowns the year before. And his threat rate is down from 29.8% in 2021 to just 20.4% this past year. They didn't use him. They didn't use him. They just didn't use him. And Antoine Wells is the wide receiver there who was, was unbelievable for them down the stretch. I understand why you got to feed that guy the ball because he just continued to deliver for you. But I was always a little confused by the lack of touches that Jaheim Bell got. I'm interested to see where he lands. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is a college football podcast and like I'm going to predict what team he's going to go to. I have, I yeah. have no clue with these yeah. guys. This is just an interesting, hey, these guys were on the draft radar. Now, not only are they not declaring, they're moving spots. So this is just getting the, the, all that info on you guys' radar too. Yeah, he was a top tight end for not the top tight end because there he was, was a lot what, of three or four for us. Yeah, right around Seven, there. Three or four. I mean, did a full write up of him over summer. Mm-hmm. I know he has the ACL injury that ended his senior year of high school, and then he had a torn meniscus before his freshman season began there. So you always wonder: is the school concerned about the usage, what they can and can't do, or did they just not use him right? He's a very unique player, and hey. He's a guy that we could be talking about in next year's draft. Once again, this is, mm-hmm. you know, Johnu Smith. This is a new age, you know, 
Delaney Walker-ish kind of guy, not that level of player, but just how unique or this is going to continue that a school just can't figure out how to use a player like that. Hope not. I hope it's the yeah. I, I, I watched him over summer. He was a very fun player. I know. I think he's really hand talented. him the ball. Could throw him screens. Get him blocking on the move. I know. Interesting to see where he lands. Right, Time to play go. a tiny violin as I delete these guys out of the 2023 doc. And Connor texted me this morning. He's like, I just went through the deleting screen. The blind. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's a massacre in here. Just because all the guys that are no longer going to officially be in the class. The portal's insane. It is. It's insane because normally you'd have all these quarterbacks we're talking about that are just like, ah, they could be a seventh round guy and you got to watch them. But no, now they play for eight schools. Yeah. (laughs) It's nuts. Whatever. They're the Josh Johnsons of college football. Yes. All of them. Uh, Oh, JT Daniels is definitely that. Yeah. Well, JT, I saw his transferring again. So JT went from USC to Georgia to West Virginia. And now he's transferring again. What would our lives be like if we went to college four times? Well, I mean, you know. I guess at some point you're really just an adult at college playing football. I mean, we'd we'd obviously have our pick of school being that we're Uh, 6'5", 240, less than 10% body fat. Number one and one one B in the transfer portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, off of of genetics alone. I guess there is – there's probably a point to where, like, you're not going to college football anymore. Like, or you're not going to college. Like, I don't think – JT Daniels isn't going to college anymore. He simply has an apartment in the city in which he is playing college football and probably takes, like, online classes. Yeah, like full University of Phoenix yeah, style, right? Right, right. right. Like, he's, he's not getting like a, his, he's not a student. No, he's getting, like, his third online degree. He's just making up majors at this point. Yeah, how did the how did the this must be a nightmare for guidance counselors everywhere. Guidance counselors and admission counselors across the country are in shambles. Imagine being JT Daniels' fifth advisor. And he sits down and you're like, all right, JT, what are you interested in? He's like, well, I'm here to play football. And you're like, okay, but you need to like go to school. And he's like, yeah, like, all right, what what have you studied? And he just lists like all the generic, you know, electives. And then he's maybe got a degree in business or he's got a degree in, I don't know. Wasn't it reported that like Matt Liner took ballroom dancing his final year at USC? I bet they did. That was was it. Like, but like that was the, that was the only. What's the most ridiculous class you ever took in college just to hit a credit requirement? Um, Like it has uh, zero impact on your life. Well, I had to take, so I had to take a class that was in a pool that would have counted as an elective towards my degree. And it was some. Exactly. I think it, I I I believe the class was called Intro to the Universe, and it was like an astrology class of like I took space. Yeah, so I took Intro like, to Space. It was basically it, but I think mine oh, was that was, mine was called in, Intro Intro to the Universe. No, 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 it's sick. I, I just don't think I don't think I have a uh, class that would have been like weird, like like college version of home ec or something. Like I I didn't have that. I don't know. I in college took uh, Intro to Religion. Religion 101. Oh, I didn't need to do that. I went to a private Christian school for the first three years of my education. So I had <laughs> I had I had three years worth of that bad boy in my in my transfer scripts. The only reason I took it is because it was the easiest class I could find on rate my professors. And I realized mm. I made the right choice when I sat in the lecture hall and every single team was sitting around me. Every single sport. And not calling athletes dumb or anything, but it's the fact that you want no, to set them up for they their... They have to be strategic with their time. 100%. I, yes. I could not imagine being a D1 college athlete actually focusing on school and sports. So when you have the opportunity to pick your filler classes that don't have anything to do with your major, which is what I'm discussing, mm-hmm. which is what I caught on to eventually in college and why I sat in this class, I was like, oh, the amount of actual effort that I need to put in here could not be less. <laughs> I could walk in like a zombie with the clicker and punch in attendance and maybe answer one multiple choice question on the screen. And I was good. Oh, I took an intro to film class. I did too. That was awesome. We just watch movies. You just watch movies. That's it. And then you like take a quiz. As like, long as you watch the movie, you could not the fail the class. Right. No, it was, it was yeah. beautiful. We yeah. would love See, to hear from you guys. Let us yeah, know what it? you yeah. think. Let us know what you think about the prospects that we talked about here on this episode. What you think about your team when it comes to the NFL draft. 
also talk to us about some, I don't want to say weird, but just like memorable off the beaten path, maybe a little bit of an easy A classes that you guys took in uh, whatever your higher education path was if you had one so we'd love I, I would love to hear that if you guys got them hit us up on twitter at tam bay trey at connor j rogers hit us up in the youtube comments as well as well as on instagram you can find us on instagram you can hit us up on instagram as well we're plenty active there uh too we got one more podcast that we got for you coming up this week you want to do rookie review you want to make I it think it's time yeah i All would right. love to so let's do it we're going to do a rookie review connor and i are going to watch a bunch of rookies. I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how we're going to set this up yet. So if you're still doing the bingo card and you're saying Connor and Trevor are figuring out the podcast as you're doing the podcast, check off the space, baby. Hopefully that was a late one for you. We're going to look at uh, a lot of these rookies that have been playing in the NFL this year. And let's say, let's bring five to the table. Let's each bring five to the table. Some of them can overlap, but we'll try to make sure that not too many overlap for good or bad reasons. This is truly a rookie report. This isn't just, hey, these are the best rookies playing this season. Also, like, if one of us watches Trayvon Walker, we're like, yeah, Trayvon Walker's been silent as a church mouse. Like, we can bring that up. So we'll see what it's going to be. But ultimately, I I want to give it, what is it? What is it? I think we'll talk about this off air, but we'll do five categories. Mm, So you you got like one superstar, one late round gem, one disappointment. You know, we should talk about this before we, you know, announce the episode so that you know, we don't we don't we have, have our Zoom sound. meetings on the podcast in case you're wondering right now. This is what it's like. Oh, All right, so that's man. what we're going to do. We're going to divide it up into five different categories. You're going to have five different guys each, and we're going to bring things to the table, both good and bad. Take a look at this rookie class as they have played so far um, in the NFL. Appreciate everybody listening and watching the show. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow for the last episode of the week. This has been the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. Podcast.